My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Today's episode of Fairway Rollin' brought to you as always by our pals at Callaway Golf. Birdie Buddies, it is a major week. We are at a major venue. New York can barely stand the anticipation. One New York guy who couldn't take it anymore, the Callaway's own A.J. Bopel, was there at Beth Page Black a couple of weeks ago, right before they closed the course down to the public. And for all of our enjoyment, he shot a mini documentary, Homecoming, back to Beth Page Black. We are taking a look at Beth Page from the perspective of of a former local who grew up playing the black. AJ is a native New Yorker. He came back to his roots to whet your appetite for the week. We're getting a look at AJ all over this place. He does a sleeping in the car thing. He's praying for a great tea time. Speaking of whet your appetite, he goes and gets a delicious egg sandwich. It looks amazing. Available right now at CallawayGolf.com. And you can check it out on GolfChannel.com as well. Homecoming back to Beth Page Black. What a way to start the week. Today's episode also brought to us by Destination Kohler in Kohler, Wisconsin, home of Whistling Straits and Black Wolf Run, ranked by Golf Digest as four of the top 100 public courses in the United States. That means these are courses that you can play. Also host of the 2020 upcoming Ryder Cup, Imagine Summer on Lake Michigan in the land of beer and cheese, my friends. Rounds of championship golf and ice cold beverages, plus deep fried Wisconsin cheese curds. Time to get rolling to DestinationKohler.com to book your package today. That's DestinationKohler.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to this golf podcast. Unlike any other, 
Oh, my friends, we've done it. We're here. We're all back. It is a major week here on Fairway Rolling, the golf podcast on the Ringer podcast network presented by our fantastic pals at Callaway Golf. I am your starter, Joe House. It is a major week, my birdie buddies, and that means we have major talent for this preview Monday. We are setting the stage from Golf Digest, Joel Beal. Joins us again. He's on to make amends for saying that he thought Tiger was going to miss the cut at the Masters. He's got some splaining to do. What can you say? Of course, Schusty is on. We're talking about the outfits that the fellows are going to be wearing. Bubba Watson was on a video today. I can't make any sense out of it, so don't ask me to try. And of course, Verno is on. Verno and I are making our epic flash picks of the week. I'm looking down here. I see the first tee is open, my friends. Let's go down there and let out a little shaft with Joe Beal. Ladies and gentlemen, now on the tee from Cincinnati, Ohio, maintenance guy extraordinaire at Aston Oaks Country Club, currently staff writer at Golf Digest, and now a playing veteran at Augusta National Golf Club. Please welcome Joel Beal. Al, thanks for having me on, buddy. How you doing? JB, it's another major. It's another major week. We had to have you back to make some major observations. Uh, but before we get into the, the major observations relating to Beth Page Black, how about a congratulations on the major change over there at Golf Digest? You've got some new bosses now, I understand. Uh, we sure do. Just announced this morning, uh, Discovery Channel has purchased us. Uh, my, my first order of business was convincing the, the good folks at Discovery to change Shark Week to Tiger Week. And uh, emails have not been uh, responded yet. So we'll see how that goes over. But yeah, it's uh, we've been on the market for couple of months now so good to uh, get all that transition out of the way yeah so discovery that's pretty great you know uh it started down here in the humble environs here in the dmv and a couple of my uh family members are our former colleagues at, at discovery so we have um mostly fond remembrances of discovery and <laughs> i think if if tiger can pull it out this week they really have no choice but to switch shark week to tiger week right Especially since Tiger is an ambassador for Golf TV, one of uh, Discovery's new golf vessels, so it would seem apropos, wouldn't it? It's it's you know it's it's it, there's a real symbiosis there. There is a real uh, synergy. <laughs> Let's I'm going to use some business terms. Speaking of business terms, we're going to jump into this Beth Beth Page Black, and we're going to get into the PGA Championship and the historical precipice that we're looking at uh, in the, the historic moment. But you, you, the last time we spoke was the week of the Masters. We spoke while you were down there at Augusta National. Did you not, not, you did not know when we spoke that you were going to actually play Augusta National that week, did you? I did not. Uh, so you, the media members enter what they call the lottery, and it's a very apropos term because uh, if, if you win it, it does feel like winning the jackpot. And uh, on Saturday, as uh, Tiger was making his run, I stopped back at the media center and I saw people breaking out their cameras and all of a sudden I thought something really, really bad must've just happened. What, what did I do? What, what, what from my past has come out that I'm now get, getting in trouble for, but, uh, yeah, found out that I was one of the lucky bastards to get a play on Monday. And I'll tell you what else, the expectations were high and it, every, whatever you can imagine about playing Augusta national, it was surpassed. It, it was 
hands down one of the coolest moments of my life. Uh, I'm still getting goosebumps about it. Um, it. It was definitely one of the, I know everyone has it on the bucket list, but man, it, it was so damn fun. And uh, the only, the only bummer was it, it was a five hour round and it, it felt like it was over in 15 minutes. Um, oh, yeah, wow. It, it, everyone's been coming up to me. And I will say though, everyone, besides asking how the masters went, this is a testament to the power of your podcast. Everybody has also reminded me the last time we talked, I mentioned that I thought Tiger Woods was going to get cut at the Masters. So uh, no one's <laughs> let, me, let me live that down yet. So I will not be making the same mistake today. Well, one out of two ain't bad. Now, uh, we'll, we'll, I, I, we'll move on in a second. Did you play Augusta from the same tees as the pros? Are, there, are, are, the, are the pins in the same positions? What's the configuration? What's the layout? So it's still the Sunday pins, uh, which really gives you a feel for the <laughs> the brilliantness these guys face on the greens. Uh, they don't they move you up though from from uh, from what those guys play. So it's the member season. It's around sixty four hundred yards. So uh, it, it's interesting. You uh, from people who have played the course, they always say whatever your handicap is, you're supposed to kind of shoot the same because as tough as the greens are, you can kind of do whatever you want off the tee and get away with it. And there's no real rough to speak of either. Um, and that was. Mostly, mostly true. Uh, I'll say the first six or seven holes, I was in such shock. I wasn't even really paying attention to my score until my caddy kind of slapped me across the, the forehead and said, "Hey, so you're, are you okay?" I go, "Yeah, what's wrong?" He goes, "Well, you're playing like crap right now. Let's get it turned around." So uh, the last last ten holes were uh, were pretty good, but the, the first seven or eight, man, whew, I, was, I was putting some doubles up left and right. But uh, oh man, it, it it really was something. Ho- hopefully, you get experience someday, house. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I got to work, uh, twice as hard as I, as I currently do to get anywhere near it. So <laughs> at this advanced stage of life, I don't know. Um, but that, that, that's, uh, that, that's terrific. Uh, I'm thrilled you got to get that bucket list item checked off. Speaking of bucket list items that, that, that could use some, some checking off Tiger Woods is playing for his 16th major up in New York city where he's uh, not New York city in New York state. So Tiger has won once up there in New York, but there no one has had two majors in New York since Gene Sarazen in 1927. Is this week, this moment, the time for Tiger to get his second New York win? I'll tell you what, the way the weather's playing out right now, House, it, it, the course is setting up for him. Uh, I mean, obviously, he, he won here in 2002. Um, in 2009, uh, you know, the T6 was actually a lot better than that performance showed. He, he had a rough first day, and really, he just kind of got unlucky. He got a, a bad, bad draw in the tee time. Everybody in that wave really went high. So after that first round, 74, he actually played. No one played better over the final 54 holes than Tiger. It's just he, he kind of got himself in a rut uh, on that Thursday. But uh, yeah, really, when you look at what predicates success at Bet Page, it's, it's relatively simple. It's such a long tough course that you just kind of got to find it, find the fairway. And then the greens, they're really not that tough. They're relatively flat, at least by major standards. So uh, you just got to keep it in the fairway and then just find the green. And really at that point, it opens up for, for good putters to excel. And the fact that it's so wet right now up here that Tigers, at least over the last seven or eight years, his accuracy has left him a little bit off the tee. Now with the wet confines, it kind of helps him keep it in the short stuff. So I mean, you, you, we see the stats. There's no one. There's no one's better in approach right now than Tiger Woods. He leads leads the tour in, in greens and regulation. And last year, he, he was right there in, in strokes gain approach. So the fact that he can get a little more wild off the tee here and get away with it this week, 
man, that, that it, it goes right up his alley. And whoever thought not only would Tiger be going for number 16 period, but the fact that he, I mean, he's, he's right there, as you mentioned, the favorites and uh, looking at some of the other favorites there, I, I certainly like Tiger's chances a lot more than let's say Dustin Johnson or Rory McIlroy. Oh, wow. So sir, that that's really saying something. I want to, I'll pick up on that in a second, but I wanted to, kind of link uh, an observation you made about the 2009 performance because you had a story. It's up right now, golfdigest.com, and you you posed the question, will a, P- a PGA championship at Bethpage be any different than the U.S. Opens there? And so Tiger's got the win in 2002, and he's got the sixth-place finish in 2009, and it's a really interesting juxtaposition this venue, which is really, you know, uh, always had the, the the deserved reputation of being a big boy golf course that really tests folks, uh, and using this venue um, as kind of the debut venue for the PGA Championship in May, so that the calendar change. This is the first time since we're playing in May, and kind of the the PGA Championship identity of being something that showcases the greatness of these players and lets guys that can go out and make a whole bunch of birdies go do that. And and the guys that make the most birdies tend to win the PGA championship. So super interesting juxtaposition there. You wrote about it a a, a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's certainly, when you think of the U.S. Open, the PGA, they're conflicting ideologies, right? The U.S. Open always aspires to protect par. PGA, hey, they just want to see as many birdies as possible. We saw that last year at Bell Bell Reeve. We saw it at Whistling Straits, certainly every time the the Wanamaker visits Valhalla. Uh, So the fact that it's coming to Bethpage, you would think, okay, you know, which one is it going to be? And by all accounts, it sounds like it's going to lean closer to what we saw in 2002 and 2009. Um, Even when Bethpage held the, the, the Barclays in 2012, or I should say now the Northern Plus in 2012 and 2016, You'll see eight and nine under as the winning score, but that's also because the par was different. They're playing at par seventy this week, and it was par par seventy one for the for those Barclays events. So uh, it's always really held tough. Um, and talking to people on the grounds and PGA of America officials, it's going to be a, a very similar setup. Uh, the only really difference is the, the rough may not be as long, but with the rain they've had this week, I've had a couple people tell me there's just not going to be enough time to really get out there and mow it as much as they want. So. Uh, from from they certainly had an aspiration to make it maybe a little bit easier, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, and certainly, if you look at Tiger Woods' record, he he does play better when par means a little bit more. Um, that being said, we I think that what really is a testament to how good Tiger is at this moment. Look at his last three major championships. He's he's done it all in different type of venues. There was that windy, gusty performance in Carnoustie where he finished T six. Last year at Bell Reeve, when people were going low, that was something that we didn't think Tiger could really do anymore, is match these guys birdie for birdie. But the fact that he came second to Brooks Kepka at Bell Reeve showed you that possible. Then at Augusta, when the conditions were really tough over the weekend, he, he stood right there. So the fact that his game is translating to all these different venues really shows you he is back. Um, and if the setup really, if it's like anything like we've seen the past couple of days with, with the win out, it shouldn't rain over the weekend. But everything is so wet, and for the most part, Betsy doesn't drain that well. Uh, this, this is really, you, if you're a Tiger fan, you couldn't ask for better conditions. Yeah, so that that's uh, 
a perfect introduction into the next um, item I wanted to make sure we covered. One thing about the conditions at, at Beth Page this upcoming week, the guys that tee off in the morning, it's going to be chilly. It's it's going to be jacket weather. It's going to be sweater weather at, at least. Uh, and, you know, I'm not sure that the, the mer- mercury is going to be much above 50 degrees. Tiger tees off at 824 a.m. on Thursday. I'm not even sure if it's going to be 50 degrees when he tees off. Do you think that that particular physical condition uh, outside, the the ball's not going to travel as far? And, you know, we understand, we've come to appreciate, you know, with the more sort of uh, revealing Tiger, that his physical preparation, the regime he goes through, the regimen he he goes through to get himself ready for a tournament round of golf, it starts hours in advance of a, of, of a tee time. Um, do we think that that early morning coupled with the cold it represents any kind of a challenge to the tee, Gray? Well, I think the first thing you think of when you think of Cole Arrow Tiger is, is his back going to hold up. Um, certainly that worry's been there not only this year, but since, since he's come back uh, from, from his latest procedure. But you know, it, if you if you look at both days, it, it's going to be basically around 50, 55 degrees in that morning wave. And the fact that both groups have to face it, uh, it I'm not as worried about it. If anything, I think the draw actually fits Tiger a little bit well in the sense of the wind doesn't look to be as bad. Now, granted, we're, we're speaking on a Monday and we're looking out on Thursday and Friday, but right now the wind doesn't look to be as bad Thursday morning as it will Thursday afternoon. Then on Friday, looking at the rain, it's really supposed to come down heavy in the morning. In the afternoon, it's supposed to be fine. So the fact that Tiger won't have to necessarily play in the rain on Friday morning but still get the benefits of playing a wet course, there's a little bit of wind. Uh, it looks like a 10-mile-per-hour wind on Friday afternoon, but uh, he's going to play in cool weather sometime. And, you know, it was pretty chilly at Carnoustie last year, and his, his back held up just fine. So. Uh, he, he's played at a few cold weather events already this year and held up. So uh, trust me, I understand why the, the worry is there. But so far, it, it, Tiger says he's okay. So we have to trust him at his word. And um, uh, obviously not ideal conditions. But hey, he's not the only guy with a bad back. And uh, I, I think it, what we've seen, seen from him so far this year, there, there's no way to doubt him, at least at this point. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, now, we can't make this entire segment the deification of, of, of Tiger Woods and, you know, is he is he second only to Jesus Christ? We 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 need to talk about a handful of of other guys out there. It was very interesting to me that you uh, mentioned a, a, a tiger advantage over guys like Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy, um, and I'm I'm curious as to what you think is the real um, differentiator between uh, Tiger and DJ. But one name you didn't mention was Brooks Kepka. So let's go ahead and and just talk about the moment um, that that Brooks Kepka has in front of him. Nobody has been playing better in the majors than Brooks Kepka over the last nine majors. His score in relation to par is fantastic. His scoring average is fantastic. He's in the upper echelon across all of all the sort of historical uh, comparisons over this this stretch of nine majors. He's he's the a very upper echelon um, in all those kind of, of of measurements. What are you anticipating out of Mister Kepka this week? I mean, kind of, it's very similar to Tiger. This course actually fits Brooks probably better than any of the the better than Aaron Hills, better than Shinnecock, and better than Bell Reef. 
just the simple fact of, yes, the rough is really brutal here. However, it's not exactly tight confines. It's a, it's a big ball yard at that stage. You, you're not going to really find any trees. So there's one really Achilles heel for Brooks. It's his accuracy. Uh, but the fact that he can, you know, find the rough, it's not that big of a deal for him. Uh, we don't really think of Brooks. We think of him as a big hitter. But he's actually a really good iron player. He's actually 22nd on tour in rough proximity. So talk about a guy who's not going to really be affected if he does find the rough. I think those are those really those big muscles coming to play. Um, and another issue with Brooks when he has had a couple down spots has been his putting. But kind of mentioning, these greens aren't really that tough. So you just kind of got to get yourself on the green, make sure you avoid these really treacherous deep bunkers. If you can just find the green, which he's done, you know, throughout throughout the past two years, he's 14th in greens regulation this year. Uh, as long as he can just find the greens, he should be okay. Uh, and again, I know the putter, can, it's, it's very hit or miss for him. But if he can just find the green, I think he'll be okay. Uh, man, and we, we just saw how he played last week at Trinity Forest. And he even mentioned, I think on Sunday, he couldn't really figure out the back of the front nine at Trinity Forest. And he still almost won the tournament. So not only is this, is this course set up to his knees, he's coming in playing well. Uh, I know at the Masters, there were worries of his, his Brooks Kepka kind of lost his body, but uh, finishing T second there, that seemed to be a, a very overblown proportion. And uh, man, yeah, Kepka is right up there with Woods. I, I would put those two as one, two as the favorites coming in this week. Yeah, well, they have the same odds to win. They're both at 10 to 1 right now as, as we record this. And I was one of those Kepka skeptics. I don't like guys that go, that don't need to go on diets that go on diets. And, and he, uh, famously was avoiding cheeseburgers for some number of months. And I, I made a whole bunch of these, uh, matchup plays, the no cheeseburger plays, and, and he kicked my ass on all of them. So I'll know better than to doubt Brooks Kepka, uh, again. Um, there is a name that I want about just, just out of principle, talk to though, me, talk to me, principle, talk to me. I think, I, I think he made the right play. You know, I, trust me, you never want to doubt Brooks Kepka, but just out of principle, you got to draw a line in the sand and you don't want to bet. You don't want to bet for a guy who's avoiding cheeseburgers. I, I'm okay with you doing that. Thank you. Well, it felt like, you know, my, my logic was sound. He's just, a, he's just, I, I think honestly, he had been back on the cheeseburgers um, for some period of time. I just didn't know how, how you know how long he'd been he'd returned to, to proper form. Um, there's a name that I want to mention to you just to see if there's any reason whatsoever to be interested in in this gentleman, and his name is Jordan Spieth. Well, I, I have made fun of in our office routinely for being a Spieth backer. And clearly this year, things have not looked well. Uh, even at Trinity Forest in Dallas, his hometown, he had he has glimpses of hope, but that's kind of all we've had this year, these glimpses. He, he hasn't had a top 10 since, since the Masters last year. I will say, uh, we mentioned it earlier, how you can't really get into tr- like, at least tree trouble uh, at best age. If you look at really what's hurt Jordan Spieth uh, this year, it, it's been his driving. He, he has just been all over the place. He can't keep the ball anywhere near the fairway. He's outside the top 200 and strokes gain off the tee. And you see the rest of his numbers kind of suffer. I think it's mostly a, that's predicated off of how bad the driving has been. If there's one hope, it's that throughout his career, uh, you know, he's had very, he's had spells where he's in the best, best butter on tour and other times when you, you just want to look away when he's got the flat stick in his hands. But really the one consistent has been his approach game. So the fact that if he does find the rough, he could get out of it. It's the one hope, but, Man, it, usually the PGA Championship. Now, granted, this is in August rather than uh, this new thing in May. But the PGA Championship, more than the other four majors, really, it, in terms of you're looking for what 
the guys who have success, they always come in with a little bit of a heater. So the fact that Spieth's coming in cold, it, it's not great. Um, you know, he had, he had a pretty good performance, actually, at, at Augusta after that, that first round. I think he got 75 uh, on Thursday and kind of bounced back in a nice way and had a nice showing at Harbortown. But just since then, it hasn't been there. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he makes the weekend and gives a little run. But, man, seeing him host the Wanamaker and win the career Grand Slam, even, even as a guy who, who's a speed backer, I, I just can't see it. Yeah, it it just doesn't feel like even for Spieth truthers, and I didn't know that you were one of them. Um, I I, I raise his name because I do want to see him get the 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 career Grand Slam, and I honestly think he is going to get his before Rory gets um, achieves his because I think Rory and Augusta National, he's got a I don't know what it, what it's going to take. He needs to go. Uh, you know, uh, floating in Ray's Creek or something. He needs to figure out a way to make peace. Rory does with with uh what what's happening at Augusta National and the fact that um the PGA you know rotates venues. I think Jordan is is going to get one along the way here, but it certainly does not feel like uh this year is the year. Now now Rory, you 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 dismissed him. He's these these statistics for this season are still. Very impressive, Joel Beal. He's first on the tour in strokes gained. He's first in top 10 percentage. He got the second biggest victory of this season at the Players' Championship. Uh, He's been great at PGA Championships, although he hasn't had a, I don't think he's had a top 10 since Valhalla. Um, Why are you so quick to turn your back on the the roarster? Well, you're certainly right. Specifically, he's been the best year, and uh, he's had this new... Uh, mythology this year of sticking on the PGA Tour and through what 10 starts he has eight top 10 so I mean the guy's been on fire what really worries me though uh it's just his his play out of the rough and you know right now the the, the stats actually say he plays okay uh but really if you dig dig deep that those are numbers really only spurred by one or two really good events um he, he as good of a driver the ball he is he just can't get the ball close uh, when he finds it off and from approaches from 75 to hundred yards, which he actually should have as long as this course is going to play this week, Rory still should have a number of wedges into a lot of these greens. He's so far off the tee, but he, he's 183rd uh, from 75 and hundred yards. And, and just as, even though the greens will kind of even out the playing field for bad putters, just, just the way Rory's looks with the putter as of late, it, it's really hard for me to back him. Um, I, trust me, I, if you want to go all Rory, I, I'm not going to stop you, but I just think there are better venues. I think Pebble actually suits this game a little bit and everything uh, we, we know about Royal Portrush. I think that could be another spot where Rory comes uh, comes in this year, but I just don't think Pebble really suits this game. Or excuse me, uh, excuse me, Beth Page suits this game. Yeah, so that's interesting because, you know, Beth Page is supposed to favor um, guys with driver distance and guys that, that um, you know, have no problem with lengthier second shots in. Um, but I do it's, want it's to funny. T- one, thing, Charles, one thing I also want to say there, it, it, it kind of mentioned earlier, this is going to play closer to a U.S. Open setup. Rory won the 21, uh, 2011 U.S. Open, but that wasn't really a U.S. Open. That was when it, you know, it, was, it was more of a, a just a ne- normal PGA Tour standard setup at Congressional or 16 under uh, where it was the winning score. If you look at how Rory's done, at other U.S. Opens, he's really struggling. In fact, he only has one other top 10 since that win in uh, 2011. So if you're thinking this is going to play more like a U.S. Open setup, I think that's another reason to kind of avoid, avoid Rory this week. 
That's an outstanding point, uh, and that's the reason that I'm going to avoid him. I'm glad that you <laughs> included that. This is a nice segue. I, I'm interested in your view on this. Seven out of the last eight major winners have hailed from these United States of America. And you look at that uh, at all the favorites for this, it is predominantly uh, Americans. Is there any possibility? What's this? Who 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 is your leading contender in terms of a of, of best non-American? Oh, if we just talked Rory. I'm going to stick with a, a, a fellow European. That's Tommy Fleetwood. I know okay. Fleetwood was getting a lot of love at Augusta, so maybe people have cooled off on a little bit. But uh, just as we said, uh, use the U.S. Open as a reason to stay away from Rory. That's the reason why I like Fleetwood. He's had a really nice record the past two U.S. Opens. Obviously, made that Sunday run last year at Shinnecock. Finished finished second, but also finished uh, fourth the year before that. Um, coming off a pretty nice performance at the British Masters, where he was the tournament host. That's a, that's a pretty difficult thing, especially considering he was the first-time host at that tournament to kind of be juggling both those duties at once. Uh, this is a guy who hits the ball just as far as anyone. We don't really think of Tommy Fleetwood as a bonner. If you look at the numbers, he, he's right up there with all, all the big guys on tour. I mean, just, just hands down, one of the top six or seven iron players. So if, if you really think the, the second shot prowess is going to funnel, excuse me, facilitate success this week. I think Fleet was the guy who's going to be right there. And also a, a guy who, if you look at what really hurt him in a pass and kind of hurt him in Augusta, was the putter. So uh, not to keep hitting on the same sentiments here, but if you're looking where it would be a good Fleetwood spot, uh, it's a spot where the putter might not be the decisive tool in the bag. So I think this, and throwing the fact that it could be really cold and, and windy, I think that it fits Fleetwood's game. And he, he's the guy who's going off her at, 28 to 30 to one. Those are pretty good odds for a guy of Fleetwood standard. So I'm actually surprised he hasn't gotten more love this week. Yeah. I see him right now at 33 to one. And we, when we hang up before this podcast gets published and, and the, the, the gambling public can jump on Tommy Fleetwood, I'm going to get something in on him because at 33 to one, part of the thing that I also think about is like, it's, it has not even been a full calendar year since he was out on long Island He's comfortable on Long Island, and he was burning down Shinnecock on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, really trying to create some pressure for for Brooks uh, Kepka, and he had that. You know, that I just think that the the feeling of locale, that sense of place, he can return to Long Island. He he's very comfortable. He knows he's be, he'll be able to replicate a little bit of of routine. I imagine thirty three to one is unbelievable value. I know for for a fact I'm going to play him as a top uh, European player. Um, You and I are both uh, gentlemen that that are interested in allocating a little capital. The odds right now on the prop of U.S. versus uh, non-U.S., the U.S. is available at this moment at minus 140. The field is out there at plus 110. Do you think that there's any value in minus 140 for the U.S.? as the nationality of the winner of the 2019 PGA Championship. I mean, you, you got Tiger and Brooks leading off for you. That, that, those are pretty two, two big names. Uh, another guy who, uh, it's funny, we always ask when his major is going to come, and maybe we're just uh, getting a little burnt out, but Ricky Fowler is a guy who is someone else's up there who should play well here. Uh, Gary Woodland would also obviously fall under. Tony Finau, someone who we always wonder when the breakout's going to happen. This is the course that fits, fits his game. Uh, also, Patrick Reed, a guy who, uh, won the Barclays here in 2016. So I, I, I like the value, uh, actually, at minus 140. I, I know people might get scared away with that, at least compared to 
to the European number, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think I, it, it's titillating. I, I wouldn't mind riding with that. Yeah, it's kind of a way to like cover off a whole bunch of names. If you, if, if you get at that price, you're getting DJ, you're getting Brooks, you're getting uh, uh, Tiger, and then you're getting some other sort of big game hunters that have been around the hoop. You're getting Finau, you're getting uh, uh, Ricky, uh, you're getting Xander Schauffele, who who is really a darling this week. Everybody's finally taking notice of him going out and kicking ass in all these majors. That's a, those are a lot of good names here, and even somebody like Patrick Reed, where that you know, you, I'm glad you mentioned him. There is, you know, th- this uh, combination of where where par is hard to come by, and where um, you know the course is playing at a certain length, 7,500 yards or more. He likes tough tests like like that, and obviously the win already at this venue um, speaks well to it, right? Not only that, but let's be honest, a pretty tough environment in the sense of what we've seen from the crowd reaction at times. And this is the guy who's shown uh, through Ryder Cup's presence, Cup's not great. And it should be, it'll be interesting to see how Reed's treated this week, kind of in the fallout of what we saw in, in Paris last year, at least with him, Jordan Spieth, and Tiger Woods. Uh, but this is a guy who kind of relishes playing in an animated atmosphere. So, uh, and let's be honest, we, as we've seen at the 2002 and 2009 US Open, not all players are really up for that challenge. Uh, I think some guys, some guys have told me they thought, it was overblown, and then when you when you're actually out in the middle of the storm, man, it's a whole different ball game. So the, the fact that Patrick Reed has shown that, uh, he, whether you like him or not, he definitely is up to the challenge of the, these type of environments. So uh, yeah, at his number right now, I know he hasn't done necessarily a lot, at least since Shinnecock last year when he made also made a nice little Sunday run there at the U.S. Open. Um, he, he's a guy that's just not getting a lot of publicity, but. And for his odds, I, I, I think people would definitely be well served to give him some consideration. Yeah, Joe Bill, you and I are in in uh, agreement on this one. Patrick Reed available to win this golf tournament at seventy to one. Hmm. Feels like a feels. I mean, you know, that's worth a a couple of dollars. Now I know it's it's early in, in the week. Speaking of a couple of dollars, one of your uh, traditions for for all the majors, you give out your favorite props. As the week develops, I know um, it's still the beginning of the week, but is, is there any prop, one or two props that have caught your attention at this early stage of the week? There are three, and they're a little off the beaten path, but they got a little color, which I think you'll like. Uh, the first one, odds of any of the five PGA professionals from the New York region making the cut, four to one. Now, PGA professionals have had a bit of a mixed bag at this tournament. There, there are 20 PGA club pros in the field, but it's five from the New York region. Uh, the guy who I think has actually drawn a, a, a lot of interest this week is Alec Beach, who's an assistant up in Westchester Country Club up in Rye, only about 40 minutes from Beth Page. Uh, he's got a ton of game. And as you look at some of the club pros, not all of them really had the distance to compete here. But out of the uh, New York guys, actually two or three are pretty long hitters. So at four to one, that's something that, you know, hey, let's be honest, these guys don't don't get a lot of attention besides the fact that this is their championship. So uh, the fact that you can have a, a little juice on, on this side project is something that really intrigues me a lot. So Alex Beach, keep keep that name in mind as we go through. Uh, Do you get, you get all really five guys? Do you get all, all five guys at those odds? It's just get any one of those guys, five? Pick one. Correct. Oh, I love it. I love this. Yeah, okay. That's a good one. Put the check next to that one. Keep going, my brother. Number two is the primary hat logo for the PGA winner. At eight <laughs> to five is Nike. Now, Nike, oh. Nike guys have won the last five majors. Obviously, Brooks had two of them, but you have to throw in Patrick Reed and Tiger Woods, the last two masters, uh, Mullen and then Molinari at, at the Open Championship. 
Uh, really, you can say six of eight since uh, Brooks won the 2017 U.S. Open as well. Uh, so eight to five might not seem like a great number, but if you look at a lot of the top guys, not only do you have Tiger and Tiger and Brooks, but then you got to throw Rory in there. Uh, uh, Molinari, Jason Day is a, is a name who actually, who played really well here in 2016. Patrick Reeve, you mentioned Tony Finau. A lot of big guys are wearing the swoosh, so eight to five, that's definitely an intriguing number. Yeah, and and, and our uh, our value play Tommy Fleetwood will be showing up there with that that swoosh, right? Exactly. I don't know how I, I feel bad that I forgot him, but yeah, if, at this point we're losing money by not putting down on it. <laughs> All right, eight. That that's that's uh, better than one and a half to one. So we're we're on that one. So that's here, and then uh, the final one, the over under for winning score is eight under. I think it's going to be under just barely and i, I know the i know the uh, the rain could possibly facilitate a, a, a nine or ten under but I, I i think you're gonna see something closer to a, a u.s open so excuse me over i'm sorry uh over is what i want that so i i i think the eight under is actually really really low for how the course is going to set up uh, so i'm jumping all over that i think it's gonna be something closer to the, the five or six under affair what's the um price for that right now do you know it looks like plus 140 this is on. Wow. Uh, yeah. What so plus odds. Uh, my, my top sports book. Yep. Plus odds for any score from 273 all the way up north of, of, of 280. Because we're playing as a par 70. 280 is par. 273 is seven under. So 273, 274, 275 on up the chain. Those are all winners. Joel Beal, do you want me to tell you what the winning scores at, at this venue have been in the last four tournaments competed? Since I don't have it in front of me, lay it on me. I, ha- I, I do have them in front of me because this is a very important uh, prop to me. I am looking the 2002 U.S. Open, the winning score on a par 70 outlay, 277. 2009, again, a U.S. Open, par 70. The winning score, 276. The Barclays, 2012, 10 under par because they're planted as a par 71, 274. The 2016 Barclays, par 71, the winning score, 9 under, that's 275. Boy, this feels, there are there is a lot to like. You and I need to, again, jump on this. The podcast will go up. We want all of our uh, eagle enthusiasts, our birdie buddies, to have their opportunity to go ahead and, and cash in on this while it's still plus odds. But wow, that's terrific! I'm on this, uh, and I and I, I'm I'm very very appreciative of you calling this to everybody's attention today. Part of me wants to double check to make sure that's right, but at the same time, I don't I don't want to just in case it is it is uh, is an error. We gotta let we gotta cash on it while we can. <laughs> that's, that's right well i think that's the, the the right way uh to to thank you for coming on today and helping us sort of create you know the the the, the template for success here at the 2019 pga championship joe beal always a pleasure we look forward to talking to you again probably uh with the next major that's coming up in in in, in about a month if not sooner my friend and who knows maybe we'll be talking about tiger chasing number 17 at pebble Oh my God. I, I, I can't tell you what's happening in my pants right now. <laughs> You're not the only one. 
Uh, you're not definitely <laughs> not the only golf fan to say that. Put it that way. Yeah, we'll put it that way. Thanks, buddy. All right, see you. All right, see ya. All right, there we go. My thanks as always to the homie, Joel Beal, getting the week set up properly. We're going to talk to Schusty. We got some important topics like what these dudes are going to be wearing out there at Beth Page Black. But first, quick word from Zip Recruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash rolling. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over a hundred of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. They have powerful matching technology. So ZipRecruiter scans these resumes as they're coming in and they're finding people with the right experience and inviting them to apply to your job as applications come in. ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you don't miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners of this podcast can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Roland. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-O-L-L-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Roland. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Ladies and gentlemen, now on the tee from Minneapolis, Minnesota, an assistant to the assistant of the snack bar manager at Cedar Home Golf Club, featuring a brand new clubhouse and everything. She may or may not have had anything to do with that. Megan Schuster, how are you? I'm fantastic, House. How are you? Schuster, it is a major week. We have major golf social to discuss, and our good buddy... Bubba Watson did us a favor this morning by curiously appearing on camera in in a, in a way that I didn't expect. Let me <laughs> let me let you describe this. Um, I think curious is a really great uh, great adjective for this entire video, basically. Um, so just to kind of give some context, last week Phil Mickelson took a which we later found out was a pre-approved shot at Bubba Watson. Phil had sent Bubba the video before calling him out, which uh, made me a little bit disappointed. But last week, Phil filmed his latest calves workout video um, in which he said that you don't need arm muscles or calf muscles necessarily to hit bombs as evidenced by Bubba Watson being one of the longest drivers on tour. Now, Monday, Bubba fired back with a video of his own. And just to preface everyone, uh, the tweet for the video included the hashtag the glutes. So uh, just great things all around. Um So just to describe the video to start off, it starts with a shirtless Bubba Watson coming on in selfie mode with a portrait of him, I believe, from the Ryder Cup uh, hanging on the wall behind him. So great setup. Uh, He says he'd been in the gym that morning working on his calves so that he could hit high bombs and then goes to a simulator to emphasize that actually glutes um, or gluteal activation, if you will, is what's more important than calves to hitting bombs. He ends with the message to Phil. Quote, you do have pretty calves, but you don't hit the high bombs. People want to see the glutes. So, <laughs> and he appears throughout the video in some state of of undress, which yes. was the thing that I just found unsettling. Um, is he 
can you, what's your take? Is he completely disrobed? Is he, because he uses, you know, for the, they use like an infrared imagery of him. Right. In, in the monitor. Right. Hitting the, these bombs. He has to have something on, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping there's like, I'm like, he looks relatively like damp in the video also, which I don't know if that's sweat from the gym or if he just got out of the shower. I'm hoping, genuinely hoping the latter for whoever was helping him shoot this. Um, no, I mean, there has to be like some sort of coverage going on, uh, but it was, it was very entertaining to see him you know, fully going for it. And Justin Tom has actually replied to this video uh, pretty hilariously and said, nice of you to wear your sweater for the video, Bubba, commenting on Bubba's uh, chest hair action. So um, yeah, just all around a little bit of an unsettling video, but uh, I think hilarious nonetheless. So, so super duper on brand for Bubba, like wanting to be in on the joke, Mm -hmm. wanting to extend the joke, having a concept for extending the joke and walking us right up to like the 10 yard line and then leaving us in a place where we're, we're a little uncomfortable. <laughs> like I got a chuckle. May, maybe you get a, you get us into the end zone, but maybe it could be a, a, a I was going to make fun of Blake Bortles because uh, Bubba's <laughs> from, from Jacksonville. Right. Right. Um, but it, it could be a pick six from, from the, the opponent's 10 yard line. Now, I don't understand the sweat. I don't understand yeah. why he did this without a shirt. If the point was was the glutes, mm-hmm. um, he is a hirsute. Hirsute. <laughs> he is a hairy man. Yes, he's hairy on the front. He's hairy on the back. Uh, JT's uh, gig was absolutely on the money. Mm-hmm. I don't. Is the point that Bob is trying to make? That he put some ass into it? Is that what we're supposed to deduce? <laughs> I, I think that's what he was trying to say. Like that, you know, he has, you know, the body parts necessary to hit the high bombs, I guess. But I agree with you in that many of his aesthetic choices for the video were a little bit too distracting for me to fully understand the point that he was going for. So Bubba, everything about <laughs> it was Bubba. I'm not sure that he has prominent buns. Uh, I. I don't care. I'm not looking for it. The only <laughs> glutes that uh, that I ever was willing to put into my own life was Tiger, and that was back when his glutes were getting in the way of him playing golf. Mm-hmm. Um, nice try. Good Good job. Good effort, Bubba. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're giving him. Very, good job. Very good much a, a, a solid solid attempt. Solid so, clapback <laughs> attempt, I guess. Yeah, that's right. But let, let's leave the real fruitful video action to the professionals. That's what I'm going to say. Yes. I I second the motion. Well, speaking of um, fruitful player action, we have a preview of what these dudes are going to be wearing this upcoming week. I was, I will confess, Schusty, concerned that we were going to get all this, you know, uh, back in black uh, because of the Beth Page black theme. Black is going to be a theme all week long. Uh, back in black, everybody's using it. Um, we're going to get a bunch of murdered outlooks. And the scripting that we've seen so far does indeed include some black amongst everybody. But it doesn't look like, you know, necessarily everybody's going full Gary Player. Give us a rundown of what you've seen so far. 
Yeah, so I did a little uh, little research this morning into everyone's scripting, at least the ones that have been released so far, uh, and sort of separated them out into the good, the bad, and the ugly categories. There's uh, plenty of all three to go around, so just going to hit a few of the highlights. Um, I'll give Brooks out as a good attempt. Um, he's got some color blocking going on, which is good, uh, going with the blues and the oranges to kind of complement that black that you were talking about. Um, I think overall it's a fairly, you know, conservative look, but I wasn't necessarily expecting anything, you know, too crazy from Brooks or Nike there. Um, but I think it was a solid start. I will say my top two contenders though, are Ricky Fowler, who is going with a lot of the pinks and the orange color blocking, uh, using a few different highlighted pinks to kind of offset those more neutral colors. I think he looks great. And then our my personal champion is Justin Rose, if you can believe it or not, um, going with some very floral, very um, patterned shirts. He's got one for Friday that looks basically like a Hawaiian shirt. Um, Saturday, he's got pineapples on it. And then Sunday, he has a white shirt with rose pattern going through it. So I really applaud him for taking a risk. It's, he's not the person that I thought would kind of come out and do it, but uh, very exciting stuff from him. So I will say I personally, and, and, and they don't advertise on the show, um, but if they did, I would say this uh, even more enthusiastically. I have in the past liked the Bonobos line. Mm-hmm. That's the clothing deal that Justin Rose has right now. Right. And I particularly like their their pants. They've been very comfortable, breathable pants. I have they have in the past not featured such a diverse uh design flair. Um, but I I wonder so I'm so I'm still so mad at Justin Rose for his performance or lack thereof at the <laughs> Masters. I I can't yet exactly get myself into a place where I'm feeling generous towards him. That's fair. But but you're right that out of all, just from an objective, non-petty point of view, <laughs> all his lineup is is really terrific. Now I am a little bit disappointed because Bonobos makes some great patterned slacks, mm-hmm. and I don't know why he didn't take advantage of of any of that. That's really what drew me to their, that brand in the first place. But I have to confess, I am right with you, and I didn't expect this in appreciating Ricky Fowler's lineup for this right? week. It's great. And you know it's it's crazy. I'm kind of talking myself into Ricky Fowler as a potential winner this week, Shusty. Wow! And as I look at, at at his rundown, as I look at his gear, I honestly think it's it's the gear of a potential winner. I I really agree with you. There's a lot of very confident, very bold choices in his look. And I could very easily see that kind of orange, gray, and white shirt being a prominent factor on Sunday. Yeah, and it, it'll look good the way that that um, Beth Page looks right now. Visually, the Northeast is really popping with the um, the greens and the and the um, early spring Northeast mature trees. And and Beth Page is so big that state park vibe. Mm-hmm. I think that the white and the gray are gonna. You know, I'm I'm kind of feeling it. So. Thumbs up, Ricky Fowler. Yeah, great job. Now we're moving into the bad category, and I'm Uh-oh. really, really upset to start this off with this guy. I was really hoping for more, praying for more. Uh, Tiger Woods, 
I <laughs> I gotta say, the only thing saving this look from the ugly category for me is that he's going once again with the Sunday red mock turtleneck. Um, I'm glad he's calling that back again after he had, you know, obviously so much success with it at the Masters. I think that was a good idea. But basically Thursday and Friday's shirts look to me like a grainy television screen and Saturday's is really only saved because the graininess doesn't stand out so much against the white shirt as the background. Uh, I don't know if you have any differing opinions on that house, but I'm really, really uninspired. Yeah, I. this is a guy whose scripting is basically like what's in the closet. Right. Like there's there is there's nothing uh, signature about any of these looks except for the iconic Sunday look. And, and you know. On the one hand, I knew he was going to bring back the mock turtleneck because mm-hmm. you don't win, you know, uh, you, you don't resume your major streak after the hiatus that he's been on and start changing stuff up. But uh, on the other hand, I still was very pleased and to see it and be reminded that it's going, it's going to, we're going to see it in all its glory again on Sunday. The rest of this entire kit is. Um, not really worth discussing any further. No, no. I think we can move on. Uh, my other two in this mediocre category are Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth. Uh, yeah. Dustin Johnson, I'm never inspired by his fashion choices. If he could like ever once wear a color, that would be great. But I know this is sort of his brand. And if, if at least if he wanted to go with dull colors, I would appreciate if he gave us a pattern once in a while. But uh, that's just kind of who he is. And then as far as Jordan Spieth goes... Um, I like that he's moving a little bit more away from his traditional like shades of navy look. He's got some gray going on. He has uh, sort of a bright orangey yellow and a bright kind of coral shirt that he's wearing, which is good, but still just kind of a lot of gray and very, very safe from Jordan. Yeah, Jordan's um, outfits for the Masters were 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 vastly superior to what we're seeing here mm-hmm. um, for Beth Page. And I would think that he... You know, you would feel liberated to get to New York City and to show some New York flair, some some fashion sense. Yeah, DJ's a lost cause. DJ, <laughs> and I'm going to say something where I don't mean offense to the actual human beings that dress this way, mm-hmm. but I do mean offense as it as it pertains to DJ. <laughs> <laughs> he he really dresses like a club professional. Yes. So he 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 is dressing in a way so as not to offend, so as not to draw any attention to himself, so as to sort of present as as a trusted person that you know you feel comfortable around and with because there's nothing about the way that he's dressed that calls any attention to any aspect of his persona and out of your club professional those are all attributes that are are perfectly well suited they make sense he is the number one player in the mother effing world <laughs> and so he could get away with with just a little flavor and we know that he's got some spice in his life. He has two kids with Paulina Gretzky, for Christ's sakes. Mm-hmm. So he's got a spicy uh, uh, side to him. W- when can we see that spicy side, DJ? It would be nice if we could see it even once. At this point, I would even just take a shirt with a fun pattern. Like, that's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to overhaul your wardrobe to completely change who you are, but just give us a little bit of flair once. Flair, number one in the world, Flair. Agreed. Agreed. And then my last entry, and this is the only entry that I have in the ugly category house, uh, is our favorite Rory McElroy. 
<laughs> Rory, Rory's fits look like those of an elementary school math teacher and probably the boring math teacher at that. He's got khaki pants going on, some weird orange and blue striped shirt action happening. I think his Saturday shirt is like legit just a white polo. Um, I don't know what was going on with Nike here or what their plan was for him, but it doesn't seem to be working out, whatever it was. So I, I, I again, no offense intended to the actual human beings that fit this category. Tons of offense intended for Rory McIlroy. <laughs> this is the garb of a retired club professional. Yes. <laughs> who has all of his, these khaki pants. I mean, I'm, I'm halfway shocked not to see any pleats among this, uh, among this arrangement. Um, the, the, I don't like the shoes. I don't like the shape of the shoes. Maybe in real life, when we see them on his feet, they'll look better. But from this picture, they um, have uh, the look of, of uh, NBA referee shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, the color of these khaki pants, it's extremely khaki and extremely um, dad demo. I have no idea what the all white shirt is about. There's an all black shirt for Friday. Um, the 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 most sort of aggressive style uh, element in this entire uh, uh, palette is an orange hat that I guess he can wear on either of Thursday or Friday if if he so chooses. But um, maybe it's the case because he did not do great at the Masters, um, but he has by accomplishment the best year of anybody going on tour right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's uh, agreed to dress himself in a manner where his game is going to do all the talking. That's the best I can hope for as a, as a rationale for this very lackluster arrangement. I think that's the best we can all hope for, honestly, because at this point, watch it. If he makes a run on Sunday, watching him in either of those blue or orange shirts will be uh, certainly glaring to the eyes. Yeah. And I agree with you on the shoes. Very, very odd choice on the shoes. But maybe they're dope. Maybe they'll look great. I hope so. On the golf course. Just the the angle that we have, it's kind of a rounded, I don't like it, way too big. The soles look too big. Um, but Nike, you know, if there's anything Nike tends to do right, it's shoes. So True. I'm, I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on that element. Yeah. All right, Shusty. It's a, it's a major week. We had Major Bubba with his major shirt off. Actually, <laughs> you know what? It's crazy. I like Bubba this week, and I might give him out as a pick. Um, but I have, I'm having misgivings now because of, of that shirtless thing that I'm working hard to get out of my eyeballs. Uh, <laughs> but we have some handsome clothes that we, we will look forward to seeing with our, our eyeballs this week. Real quick, do you have a pick for us? For this week, for the, the PGA Championship, who who's the Schusty selection? Well, I was very excited about our boy Justin Thomas heading into the weekend, and now it looks like he's not going to play. So uh, I'm potentially thinking of seconding your Bubba motion. Uh, mm. Otherwise, I will say I will never feel bad about betting on Brooks Kepka. So this is the thing. It's going to be really hard. You, you just have to, to you know, try and pick up some value in other places because I agree with you. I think Brooks Kepka is probably going to win. He's 10 to 1 odds right now. He and Tiger have the best slash worst odds mm-hmm. uh, in terms of value. They're both at 10 to 1. And somebody try and come up with the explanation, the rationale for why Brooks isn't going to win because I haven't figured it out yet. No, I can't think of really any com- compelling argument to that effect. <laughs> All right, Schusty. Uh, we shall reconvene a week from now, and hopefully, we're not licking our wounds. Um, we 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 also are rooting for much better performances out of these clothes on the way they look on this flat screen. 
We will pick it up again soon. Thank you. Thanks, House. All right, my thanks. As always, to Shusty, we're about to jump on with Verno. But first, quick word from a couple of our par-saving pals. Ethos, you may think you don't need life insurance yet, but if you have loved ones who depend on you, you need to have a plan. I just had a birthday. I have a plan. You need to get a plan as well. These birthdays remind you, go get your life insurance. Thankfully, Ethos makes doing the responsible thing easy. With Ethos, you can get covered in 10 minutes online and even sign up right from your phone. No pesky paperwork or pushy salespeople. Just choose a policy that fits your needs and don't waste time deciphering fine print. Ethos treats you like a person, not a risk. They work to make sure you have the right policy for your lifestyle and budget. If you're a bungee jumper and a cigarette smoker, they have a policy for you. If you're a big eater like Joe House, they have a policy for you. They have a dedicated customer support team right here in these United States to help with any questions you may have. Visit ethoslife.com and click check my price to get started on the quick online application. Ensure your life today by going to ethoslife.com slash fairway to apply online. Ensuring your life and providing your family with financial security has never been easier that's E-T-H-O-S life.com slash fairway. And you're 10 minutes away from your estimated rate. Make sure your family's future is safe no matter what. My Eagle Enthusiast Today Show also brought to us by CBS Sports HQ. Yo, podcast peeps, do you miss when sports networks cover just the news and highlights with all the yelling and the fake debates and so on. I know that I do. That's why I am watching CBS Sports HQ. What is CBS Sports HQ? It's the free 24-hour sports network that's built for fans like you and me. I'm loving I get the highlights, the analysis, and the instant game reactions. Everything that matters about the game without a bunch of stuff on the sidelines like the politics and the social issues that appear on some other sports networks. If you enjoy placing some bets, allocating a little capital perhaps, if you want to compete against your friends in the fantasy league, the CBS Sports HQ experts are always dishing top picks and advice to help people like you and me win, my friends. So check out CBS Sports HQ. It's always on and always free. No need to pay a subscription fee or have an expensive cable package. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, your Fire TV, your Roku, or your Apple TV to start watching today. Ladies and gentlemen, now on the tee from Memphis, Tennessee, he is the assistant to the assistant snack bar manager at Snowman Trail Golf and Country Club, importer of Gus's Fried Chicken there to Snowman, our very own Chris Vernon. The 50-year-old Joe House. (laughs) Is that how, I mean, it's a fine how do you do, I guess. I have never felt more inadequate wishing you happy birthday. When I see you post on Instagram 
a happy birthday wish from Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters. I have got to know how this happened. Well, I, look, uh, I got to give credit where credit's due. That that whole Instagram thing was a um, surprise to me. You know, I I, I uh, go ahead and share that social platform. We're at House from DC on Instagram to go along with at House of at the House of Carbs, so that you know all those walks of life are covered. But at House from DC, my man Pat Muldowney of the Ringer conspired with uh, Lexi Eater at Callaway. Um, and those two, unbeknownst to me, uh, had some collusion. It was real collusion. It wasn't fake collusion, Verno. Real collusion. And they got these birthday <laughs> messages, and they put them up on the on their my Instagram story. And you know, late mid morning, early afternoon, I get a text like, "Hey, you should look at your Instagram." And I'm like, "Okay, I don't remember putting anything up there." And then these birthday wishes start appearing all in a row. And I mean, let me let me tell you, Verno, it got a little dusty uh, in Northwest DC. Like I wasn't planning on it, you know. I I, I didn't know any of this was uh, coming along, so it was it was it was it was very touching, very touching. All this love across Wait, all of our uh, no, all our paths not, and everything. You're not skipping over this. <laughs> why is Dave Grohl wishing you happy birthday? I get why Mallory Rubin is. I get why Jason Concepcion is. I get why Chris Ryan is. Bill Simmons. Why is Dave Grohl wishing Joe House a happy birthday? Well, first of all, you got to know, everybody from the DMV, we run thick. So my boy Dave Grohl is uh, a native of the Washington, D.C. suburbs. And uh, uh, he he's just a he's a little bit older than me, but I grew up in the same music scene as Brother Grohl. In fact, I was a, a fan of bands that he was playing in. I was going to these these shows all around D.C. and Virginia and Maryland, wherever um, these these bands w- w- could get access. And this is the the. Uh, late 80s, early 90s, the heyday of the D.C. Well, I mean, it goes all back even further in the 80s, but I don't want to talk about uh, how far back. Um, you know, the the the, the D.C. Um, indie music, the D.C. punk music scene is pretty well known, and there's a lot of heroes that have come out of it. Um, and Dave Grohl was probably the, the, <laughs> the most well-known, uh, definitely going to end up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but a, 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 a very little-known fact of, of Dave Grohl's uh, existence. He is a barbecue maestro. You wouldn't believe Why? how he, he, I mean, the man's got smokers of all sizes and shapes all over his premises. And I was lucky enough, me and Adam Rappaport um, got together with him and, uh, you know, Bon Appetit is going to have an issue coming up with it features Dave Grohl. And I don't want to step on that too much, but I got to, to uh, be with Dave in person, and we saw his barbecue setup, and it's it's an incredible aspect of his of his life. Holy mackerel! Hey, but, but, well, by the way, real quick, it, the the band that like you would go see him play in in Washington D.C. Does the music exist? Like, could I look it up? Oh, sure. The band was called Scream. He was on uh, uh, the last. Wait couple records of of scream s-c-r-e-a-m in fact that band made it into um one of my favorite you know uh um crime novels by by a a local uh author who helped participate in the development of the wire george pelicanos 
wrote a book about a DC. Um, it's just a, a a crime story set in in Northwest DC. And he talked about one of the characters going to a Scream show. I mean, Scream was known oh, wow. for, you know, it's time here uh, in D.C. How awesome is that? All right. Yeah. Hey, so the PGA Championship is the best page black, by the way. Oh, I heard <laughs> that. PGA Championship, best page black. I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody yelling at their, uh, at their iPhone yet. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about golf. We, we, we are going to talk about some golf. It is... Um, another major championship, and there is one guy who we haven't seen since he put on a green jacket, and that is none other than Tiger Woods. Let's get into this week with Tiger Woods. Tiger! Tiger! Tiger Woods! <laughs> Verno, we haven't seen him in wow. a month. Where, where yeah, has he been? we have. We've seen oh, him on okay. a yacht, privacy. We've seen him at the White House. <laughs> Yes, good, good point, true. We, 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 we saw the cockamamie video of him, like, limping. We saw him, yeah, is, hobbling. In, in yeah. terms of golf, in terms of golf, we have not seen. Now, there, I did see some footage of him uh, playing in shorts at Bethpage where, you know, some folks last week, he, he took privacy. I don't know whether the tale is, is accurate or not, but... I, I think he might have taken the yacht from Florida up there to the outer edge of Long Island maybe two weeks ago. <laughs> He'd just been practicing. Well, he could have. And that was an e- well, no, easy they're, trip they're, for him. They're showing him. They're showing him in his practice round, and it's like 50 degrees and wet, and he's wearing like a toboggan, and he's all bundled up. So he's out there for the practice round today. I, well, th- this is, I h- hope, uh, I know there's not going to be any rain when they're actually playing, and I'm hoping the rain kind of tapers off. I didn't look at the forecast there for today or tomorrow, but I believe it tapers off end of the day tomorrow at the at the latest. So they're going to have one day Wednesday for it to dry out. But look, this thing is going to be playing long. That's the reputation. It's well-deserved. Every uh, data point that you want to observe about this golf course is that it plays long. Here's my question to you as it relates to Eldrick Tiger Woods. His tee time Thursday morning is 8.24 a.m., and I bet the, the the mercury, the temperature at that time on Thursday morning, I would be shocked if it's much north of 50 degrees. What do you think that means, if anything, to Tiger and his performance on Thursday? Well, and an older gentleman, we know that <laughs> the cold can, right? Like the cold can effect, that ankle that you hurt when you were in seventh grade, you somehow yep. start to feel it when it gets cold outside. So if you've had a million surgeries on your knees and back, probably not the greatest of conditions, but I am more comforted by the fact that he has played best page well in the past. And more importantly, um, he has played great in the last three majors that he's played in. Mm-hmm. And he is playing great so far this year. A couple things. You know, all right, so you got to remember, the last three times we have seen Tiger in a major, he tied for six uh, and had the lead at one point at the British Open. He was second at the PGA, and he won the Masters. All right, so that's the last three times we have seen him. And we always talk about guys and how well – you know, do the guys play really well in the majors, whether it is 
Brooks Kepka, obviously the king of those. But when we talk about Tony Finau, we talk about Xander Shoffley, some of these guys that really have stepped up when it comes major time, it's now not a one-off. It's three in a row that Tiger has been right there, uh, you know, with a chance to win the thing. The well, last and, three and times we've seen him in majors. I don't want to interrupt you, but but along yeah. the way there, also a victory at the Tour Championship, which is, you know, ostensibly yeah. the 30 best players in the world at that point in time based on the point system they use. So he 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 threw in there. He threw into that mix, you know, uh, going up against the world's best and putting it all on, on top of them. So really, I it's I, I we don't call that a major necessarily, but it's it's right. it's world class golf, that's for sure. Okay, so he has played great when it's mattered most. Um, he always he says that that's how he plays his schedule right right now. But Joe House, I'm going to blow you away even more. Okay, so I was reading this article today on uh, Golf Week. And it was talking about Tiger Woods and kind of, you know, the success that he's had recently at majors, but then about this year. And we know that greens and regulation could be something that we should look at regarding best stage play. A place where mm-hmm. he has, obviously, in 2002, which is a long-ass time ago now, he won the U.S. Open there, but he was the only player under par that entire 72 holes. This season, Tiger Woods has hit 75.6% of the greens in regulation. All right. I think that's pretty good. It's amazing. To put it into (laughs) context. Yes. The best greens in regulation mark of Tiger Woods' career is 75.2, which is lower than what he has done so far. 75.2. That was in 2000. He won nine times and he won three majors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Good. We're in a historical frame of mind, are we, Berno? Oh, we are. I'm feeling good. I mean, golf week, you just had to give me a couple cents to make me believe. And now I'm starting to talk myself into, oh, my God, could you imagine? Could you imagine? If we started off the season with Tiger Woods winning the Masters and then the PGA Championship back-to-back, holy mackerel. I I mean, it's as unbelievable as thinking about that Monday of Masters week and looking at how he'd been, you know, playing up to that moment in the season and forgetting about the fact that he's got some magic up his sleeve that is, you know, some combination of mental fortitude and uh, an all a world class mind and and strategic approach, and putting all that, all those non quantifiable attributes to work at Augusta, and you know the the Thursday and Friday rounds at Augusta National, when he came off the golf course, he was so satisfied. He was so like quietly enthusiastic. He he just had these nice smiles. He wasn't all smiles. He wasn't flashing those big teeth of his, but he is coming out confidently. And then he let the magic do its work over the weekend. So I, I, I'm not going to sit here on the Monday of PGA championship week 
and try and come up with a reason not to to think well of him other than just the the, the basic historical uh, challenge of it. He's never won the PGA Championship and the Masters in the same year. There are only a handful of guys in the history of the game that have done so. He hasn't won two majors in New York. The last guy to have won two majors in New York, I think, was Gene Sarazen. I mean, there's a bunch. It's just it's just golf history that that's up against him. But who am I to say that Tiger's not coming out to make golf history again? Hey, so all right, so let me let me do the flip side. The flip side, beyond all the fact that he's playing insanely well, like at a level where we're, we're we are actually weirdly matching in some of the statistical categories when he was at his peak. Though he does not hit the ball as far, though he does not put the ball uh, with at the, at the same ridiculous rate as he did once upon a time. Some of these numbers are now showing up like Tiger at peak of powers. That being said, you you got to remember, they've, they've had two majors here, which were that 2002 U.S. Open. And I mentioned he was the only guy that was under par that week. Yeah. The last time was 2009, and they had a U.S. Open here, and that's the one that Lucas Glover won. There were only five guys under par that week. I feel better about him when you are talking about in that range. Like, I don't want a tournament where the winner is going to be 16 under, where the winner is going to be, you know, you got to get to 15 under to 20 under to try to win the thing as much as I do. Can you just stick around? Around par, a few under, and if God, if you could get, if you could post a, a red number, you are dead in the mix on this thing. Um, that's when the smarts can come about. And he's, he's playing it, you know, he, he, the course management is just out of this world. And the second thing is, can you imagine what that New York crowd is going to be like for him? Well, that, that's we right. Saw at Bell Reef, where there were just the throngs and throngs of people. And it took all of Kepka holding him off. And then, of course, you saw in that tour championship, as you mentioned, you know, we saw how it affected guys in the match. We saw it. Now, imagine when it's it, 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 nice in Augusta, right? When Francisco Molinari walks up to 12, he's getting in New York, like that's what's happening. They're it's a great point. For you to fail audibly, they are audibly rooting for you to fail. I was watching this special the PGA ran over the weekend from the last time, and uh, there's one where they're like booing Sergio Garcia as he walks <laughs> in the tee box, and he waggles and then he waggles, and he waggles, and he hits one, and there's this New Yorker with this big gold chain. That's standing behind the tee box, and he goes, "All that foot at." This is what you have to deal with. So now imagine when you hear those roars uh, going on elsewhere, and it's already distracting. Imagine when everybody is actively rooting against you. It's going to be lawlessness if he if he gets cracking. The same way it was when Phil. You know, had that had that crowd at his back. There's nothing like those New York golf crowds. It's just a different world. And the Tigers got that thing on his side. God bless the rest of those guys. I, I'm I'm right there with you 
on, on all of that. Do you have a Tiger prediction? Oh, I think he's good. Like, like I told you for the Masters, I said he'll be there right at the end. Listen, House, this is now, again, if it had only happened at the Masters, or if it had only happened, but you mentioned the Tour Championship, what a big tournament that is. He's there at six, you know, at, at the British, um, with a lead on the last day. He's there at second at the PGA, and he won the Masters. I, I think he will be in the top 10 with a chance to win the thing. I do. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to give out uh, top five for him because I love the way you're talking, and I think if he's anywhere, if he shows up and he's not rusty at all, because we really don't know anything about how fine-tuned his golf game is, but like, wo- woe to those that doubt Tiger Woods' preparedness. So I'm not going to be somebody that doubts it. He's available right now at better than two-to-one odds. It's plus 217 right now to take Tiger inside the top five. I want Tiger inside the top five just because of what that means for our enjoyment of watching this tournament on a, on a Sunday. And that's the, the way I'm going to go at it. Now, I'm gonna, I want to put the pressure on you. We're going to do our epic flash pick of the week. This is the PGA Championship now, Verno. Epic flash driver yep. by Callaway featuring their revolutionary flash face technology. They use artificial intelligence and machine learning. I could use some of that to help me speak better. They're promoting faster ball speeds all across the face. The Epic Flash models have the most worldwide wins of any driver model in 2019, and it's the number one selling driver model in the United States per golf data tech. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Do you have one name? Do you have two names? I mean, we we already have Tiger circling the hoop. Who Who's your pick right. for, for winning this thing? All right, so we're going to do the Tiger thing for sure. But now I wanted to look a little bit further down. You're just getting such bad odds when you're talking Kepka and Johnson, Rory, and some of these guys. So I'm looking down a little ways into that 20-something range, right? Yes. And the ones, yeah, the ones that I like are, as long as he doesn't withdraw with an injury, Jason Day. <laughs> oh, God. 20, I'm with you. He's, I'm always worried about it, but he's 21 to 1. I mean, he's won a PGA before. He's played really well here. The last big event they had here was the Barclays, and he finished too bad in that one. Um, he does well at this course. Um, and, in fact, he has the best aggregate scoring of anyone that played at least eight rounds there. Um, yes. And so what I did is I, I went through, and if you talk about it, the guys that have played at least eight rounds, it goes Day, Uthusen, Tiger, Mickelson, Sergio, Ryan Palmer, Bubba Watson, Lee Westwood, Ricky Fowler, Rory, DJ, Snedeker. Right? And that was in order from best to worst. Uh, and, but they're all great. right? These are the best guys at that court that have played those rounds. So Jason Day has the best aggregate score of anybody at that course, and he's 21 to 1. That's one of them. Uh, probably take a flyer on Xander just because he's always good. I mean, and he's got five top 25s and four top 10s in eight majors. So you just got to be in the mix. And he's been in the mix. And so I listed off those names. And so I'm trying to match up. Okay, does anybody have super long odds for somebody that was on that list that we know has played best stage really really well? And so now, all right, so Day, Xander, obviously we're doing the Tiger thing. And now I'm going to let you choose for me, all right? 
Do we I'm want? happy to do it. This is going to be my, this right. will be my epic flash pick of the week. I like the way you're setting it up for me here. Do we want Bubba Watson at 55 to one or Phil Mickelson at 60 to one? So I, it, it hurts my heart to do this, but I, I got to go Bubba Verno. I'm looking long and oh, hard wow. here. I mean, he has three starts at Beth Page over the past 10 years. He has not finished outside the top 20 in any of those events. He was tied for 18th in 2009, tied for 10th in 2012, tied for 13th in 2016, and he he scores very well in, you know, some of these advanced metrics, the strokes uh, gained uh, T to green, um, he, he's, he's, he's looking very good. There's also a thing with Bubba and the particular grass on, on these greens. It's POA, which is like a cool season grass, a cool, you know, they, they, it's a grass that, that can survive, um, you know, cooler climates like, like the Northeast and Bubba, uh, has been terrible putting this year. He switched his putter, but, um, he's only played two events on POA, one was at Riviera and the other was down in Mexico. And at both of those events, he gained strokes putting uh, against the field, which was, you know, uh, a, a vast improvement over what he'd done otherwise. So I, I'm just, you know, Bubba has this track record and and, and uh, I get a hat tip to my my boy, um, Pat Mayo, for some of this this data. We We know this. He plays well on tracks that he likes and we call them Bubba tracks. So he Augusta is a Bubba track. Riviera is a Bubba track. The place up in Connecticut, River Highlands, he plays great at uh, the TPC in Louisiana. What if Beth Page is a Bubba track? You hear what I'm saying? Yes, I think fifty-five to one. And we saw, hey, we saw him earlier this year. He, you remember this? Like we're all watching the Masters and the Tiger thing happening, and like then they like move the camera for like for the first time all day they're like and Bubba Watson has a chance to take a lead with this putt and you're like what the hell yeah, like, I didn't right. even know he was I didn't even know this guy was in the mix yeah, like he exactly. made that run on the last day and at one point had a chance to be right there at the top all right Verno so that's that's four names with four different kind of angles that we can give out to folks we like Tiger I'm gonna play him as a top five we got to put a splash on Xander Shoffley. You have him at uh, twenty-five to one. I see him at twenty-eight to one, so he's in that range right now. Jason Day, former major winner, lover of uh, Beth Page Black, available on my book at twenty-five to one to win, and Bubba Watson at at these incredible odds. I mean, it just feels like value. Sixty to one, we're giving him out now. You can also get some of these guys, Sergio and Bubba. Uh, I mean, I'm, Bubba uh, uh, is is available right this second at p- almost two to one to top twenty. I'm going to do that quickly. I'm going to do that before this podcast goes up and these odds go in the wrong direction because <laughs> it feels like somebody's sleeping on uh, on Bubba. Um, now, speaking of, of sleeping on something, the last time we spoke, you uh, had not had an opportunity to go out with your your beautiful. Brand new Apex irons and in, in the smoke flavor. Have you have you made it out yet? Oh, have I ever? Not only Oh, I'm so happy. Hey, not only have I made it out with them, I actually decided, you know what? I am going to finally just take a lesson. And I took a lesson from, you know, one of the PGA tour pros at my club, 
and it changed everything. It was like, I was like, you know what? I've got these unbelievable new clubs. I am done being average. (laughs) And so, and so, no, I mean, listen, I'm not kidding you when I tell you now I had, um, I had my clubs for a long time. I absolutely love them. I told you that I, because you had offered me clubs in the past and I swore by mine. Um, everything about these, like I can swing. I'm, I'm an overswinger. Um, and I, I, you know, they always tell you if you can slow down and you can swing easy and I'm not going to act like I'm Ernie L's now or something, but the club like absolutely does the work. It just does. And that, that, that's the idea. I, and I understand that, that overswinging, that's just you trying to get your money's worth. I understand that. That's it. That's it. And so these are, no, I absolutely love them. I love them. So the big challenge is going to be you finding your distances. Uh, now that you're hitting the ball, you know, longer with these apex, uh, irons, the, the other thing I did to you, and this is in anticipation of us playing together and how many strokes I'm going to ask, uh, for from you. Um, I, I sent you some balls down. I sent you some of the Callaway ERC softs and uh these balls have a couple things going on with them that i that i like that i'm excited for you i don't know if you put any into play yet i know you're a deep truviz man which makes a lot of sense but these erc softs i'm telling you you got to try them it's a it's a distance ball with a hybrid cover it's a multi-material cover so uh these balls can go uh, a long ways and i'm at my advanced age verno looking for extra distance where i can get it but the other thing I love, they have this triple track alignment aid on them. There's three stripes on them, two blue and one red. And you just have to line that thing up. It, it looks like a, a, you know, a giant alignment when I'm looking down at it with my eyes that need glasses. And, you know, e- even I am able to, to try and hit the middle of the ball with, with the putter. Have you put the, have you tried these ERCs yet? I, I have told you, you are, and you are hard selling me. You are hard selling me now. I have been so, I have the soccer balls, the Truvis, as you mentioned, right? Yes. I have lived and died with those soccer balls. And so for <laughs> you to get me to give up, right? Like, and, and, and everybody I play with, there's no, there's never any um, disagreement on whose ball is whose. That's Mine's true. a soccer ball, right? That's and, right. And I typically... And I typically have the yellow one just in case somebody else has the white and red somehow. So sure. I've got the more rare, the yellow with the black on it. That's the OG. That's and the so, real OG. Yeah. So you are going to, uh, you, you're, you're doing the Lord's work and getting me to move <laughs> away because I, I have tried, I'll tell you this. I've tried all kinds of balls that have come out um, over the course of the past year, all kinds of different balls. And I have gone back to that Truvis every single time, every single well, time. So I am, and listen, it's good because it's a Callaway product, but I am willing. Now I have gotten, you have sent me these and because it's you, I, I will put them into play. And if, as long as, as long as it goes in the fairway, um, as long as it goes in the fairway, I'm going to fall in love with it. But the second that thing goes out of bounds, I'm back at my soccer ball. Huh? <laughs> fair is fair. I'm, I, I just wanted to give you something to mess around with, just to have something I'm to com- compare them to. I'm very interested. I have never, I've never, I've never used the alignment thing. How does that work? 
You just put it down and line it up. What do you mean? How's it work? It's your your eyeball takes over. No, is it best for putting, or is it best when you are out in like the fairway? It's it's intended for putting. It's definitely intended to be a putting aid um, gotcha. to help you find gotcha. the sweet spot of the of the putter face. And it, gotcha. it, you know the, they they did all this scientific stuff. Uh, more of that machine learning and the artificial intelligence and all the rest of it. They gotcha. they have some feedback that looking down at three stripes is better for your eyes than looking at one. I mean, who who am I to argue? I'm just a, a, a bad golfer. I'm with it. And I play with a bunch of those bozos that, you know, draw a line with the Sharpie on it. Who needs that anymore? <laughs> there you go. All right, Berno, We <laughs> uh, hopefully we gave out some winners. I know we'll be in touch over the course of the week. Maybe we'll tweet a little bit um, once play gets started. Let people in on, on some of our live betting angles as we come up with those strategies because there's always some live betting strategies, isn't there? There are always live betting strategies. I, <laughs> I caught Kepka. Did not come through at the Byron. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that Hey, I, I shout out to Kane because that joker just was, he was out of his mind great. Just he did awesome. it. All weekend. He took care of business. That's what you're supposed to do if you want to get your first win on tour. You got to go kick ass on the weekend. So he did it. Well, I can't wait for the PGA. Tell Dave Grohl I said hello. Uh, you, you got it. I'm going to ask him to send you some brisket. <laughs> I can't wait. Thanks, Berno. All right. Thanks, Hus. All right, my par saving pals. There we go. The preview is in the books. I think we've given you hopefully a little bit of early week guidance as you build out your lineups, as you think about allocating a little capital, as you start wrapping your head around the delicious storylines of this week. We shall be back in just a couple days. This is the, the, the Monday preview. We're back on Wednesday with a deep analytic dive. Justin Ray from the 15th club is back. Justin and I are going to go through the same deep analytics as the previous show that we did around the masters. And of course our beloved Harry Gagnon from against all odds is on. We're going to make our final selections the Wednesday before the tournament gets going on Thursday. And then something to look forward to on Sunday, right after this PGA Championship has been decided. The Wanamaker will be in somebody's hands. They're lifting it up. It looks a little bit like the Stanley Cup, to be honest. Lifting up the Wanamaker, and we're going to be going live on Fairway Rolling uh, and giving you our immediate reaction and hopefully maybe the further coronation of Eldrick Tiger Woods. But until then, let's all hit them straight out there. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.